Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another Wednesday edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. It's a great day to talk some Sunbelt football, but before we do, we wanted to remind you about our last episode where Caden and I provided a complete draft breakdown for each Sunbelt prospect, as well as providing updates on some of the Sunbelt stars that have received NFL opportunities post-draft. Today on episode 80 of the show, we're excited to welcome one of the decision makers at the forefront of the changes in college athletics, App State Athletic Director Doug Gillen to the Frary and Smith podcast. Caden, the world of college athletics, it's changed dramatically over the past several seasons due to things like the transfer portal, NIL, and even conference realignment. Yeah, we always talk about it and I always refer to it as everything everywhere all at once. I think we have all these different changes happening at one time. It's kind of hard for players, coaches, and as we'll talk with Doug administration to kind of navigate through this time as fans like us can talk about it and comment about it and kind of look back and watch it play out. It's definitely interesting to hear some perspective from the people that are in the weeds, that are in the work, and that are in kind of the process and the evolution that college football and the college sports landscape as a whole is going through right now. Yeah, there's no denying that college athletics, it's changing quickly and dramatically. And Doug Gillen, he is a seasoned athletic administrator with over 20 years of experience in and around the college athletic scene. After a long winding path through college athletics and the sports media rights industry, Doug accepted the deputy athletic director role at the University of Missouri, where he served from 2012 to 15. In 2015, App State Chancellor Sherry Everts named him the next athletic director of Appalachian State University. He has overseen progress in all facets of the athletic department, including the transition of the football program from the FCS to the FBS, continued excellence in the classroom, social responsibility efforts highlighted by nearly 15,000 hours of community service, and facility upgrades to many of the school's athletic venues. During his tenure, the App State football program has won four Sunbelt championships, something, Caden, you've been a part of, and risen to as high as number 18 in the polls. Doug continues to provide steady leadership in the ever-changing world of college athletics. Caden, we both really enjoyed this conversation. I know this one was near and dear to your heart with Doug Gillen. Give our listeners a quick preview of what they'll hear from Doug in this interview. Yeah, our listeners on this one, they're in for a treat because they're going to hear about how Doug came onto App State's campus and was able to grow the athletics program in every single sport in a bunch of different ways. And we'll also get to hear his perspective on a lot of the changes that we talked about previously from his perspective as someone who's in control as an athletic director. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with my athletic director, the athletic director of Appalachian State University, Doug Gillen. Well, we're really excited to have App State Athletic Director Doug Gillen on the podcast. Doug, thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Well, Doug, let's jump right in. That's uh, how we do it on this podcast. And first, I kind of wanted to just talk about your journey. Our listeners might not be familiar with how one becomes an athletic director for a Division One program. What did your journey look like for you, and how did you ultimately end up at App State? Yeah, great question. It's a little bit of, uh, you know, it's a, a long journey, quite frankly, growing up in upstate New York, playing Division Three ice hockey at uh, the State University of New York at Cortland, and, and then getting my graduate degree at Ohio University, um, internship at Lehigh University in Pennsylvania, internship at the University of New Mexico, first full-time job at uh, the University of Missouri, um, the first time get back, I went back. Um, and then I jumped, then, you know, kind of a little bit different than most, I jumped into the corporate sales um, realm and, and was hired by um, a company called ISP Sports in Learfield, 
uh, communications at that time back in the, I mean, now, now I'm thinking back a little bit in the 97, you know, 1997, we started Mizzou Sports Properties when I was there, kind of came outside the athletic department, served as a general manager of Mizzou Sports Properties. You see that all over the country now. Um, but that was when it was really first getting started. Um, then I was, uh, you know, relocated up to Syracuse to help with starting Syracuse Sports Properties in uh, the early 2000s. And then um, you know, Ben Sutton, president, CEO, owner um, of um, ISP Sports, hired me to come down to Winston-Salem and be the um, chief revenue officer um, until we sold ISP Sports in 2010 to IMG. And then um, I worked with IMG during the transition a little bit. And then another one of my mentors, uh, Mike Alden, hired me at the University of Missouri uh, to come back out there as a deputy athletics director um, as they were uh, transitioning to the SEC. So that was the uh, kind of summer of 2012. And then, uh, and then I was fortunate to come right back, you know, you know, run right back to North Carolina in 2015 um, to work at Appalachian State. So uh, that's, that's the quick journey that took a lot of time, but, but I covered about 30 seconds. That's great, Doug. And since your arrival in Boone over a little over eight years ago, the athletic department has seen so much growth from on the field performances from teams, the academic success off the field and a ton of new facilities and upgrades as the program. It just seems to be continue growing Too last time I was there. I feel like I was seeing some new stuff, too. What areas of growth do you think you're the most proud of since you took this job in 2015? Uh, well, I think, you know, I think transitioning into the Sun Belt certainly was you know, a challenge as we got here, you know, what does the financial model look like? How do you fund, you know, you know, transferring to a league like uh, like the Sun Belt, um, which the Sun Belt was growing. So I, I think one one is um, you say most proud. We were we weren't fully funded in our scholarships of every sport until last year. Uh, you know, so it took um, us a lot of fundraising to finally, um, you know, as we know, um, you know, scholarships matter, and and when you're recruiting, et cetera. And and you know, I just met with our wrestling coach, Sean Mark Bentley, this morning. It, this is his first full recruiting class. I've been here eight years. His first full recruiting class with a full complement of scholarships. So the, that's probably the biggest thing. We've been chipping away at, at fully funding our scholarships. Um, certainly from a facility standpoint, we've touched every sport with facility upgrades in some way, shape, or form. Um, continue to do that. Uh, we know that we got to kind of keep our foot on the gas. It, it, you know, the, the good news is, uh, you know, we had realignment and we invited four new teams in. Um, the bad news is they're really good and their budgets are pretty strong. And um, stronger than ours, quite frankly, every one of them. And so um, th- those those things, the facilities, the, the fully funding scholarships, obviously we recruit student athletes that compete in the classroom first and foremost. We're really big on that. Um, we continue to lead the league in athletics. We just had our app speeds, as you'll remember, you know, we're, we're the best in the league in terms of Chancellor Scholars, in terms of Sunbelt um, Honor Roll. Um, so we're really excited about the, the way that we perform academically. And um, and then facilities and competition, you know, those, those are probably the best things. Our student athletes, you know, I had a, I had dinner with our, our tennis team last night. Um, we're, we're invited to the what is going to be the inaugural year of the NIT in women's tennis. Never happened before. App State's one of eight, eight teams in the country that got invited. Uh, so so we're really super excited about all the um, accomplishments of our student athletes, both in the classroom and in, in the sport that they play. Now, Doug, I got to experience Boone, North Carolina and App State University back in September. Caden and I came up for college game day in that Troy game. Uh, I've always been told that it's a special place and, you know, after that visit, have to agree. In your words, what makes the university in Boone such a special place? Yeah, I think the one word I was used people. You know, somebody, somebody, we, we talked about this in our full staff meeting on, on Wednesday uh, because, you, you know, and, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about this uh, 
you know, what's going on in the NCAA and college athletics in the Sun Belt in particular, but the thing that never changes is the people. And so what we feel like is, is if we continue to create um, a family environment um, that people like to be in, um, certainly we live in one of the most unique places in America. You know, so when you, when we're, when we're recruiting, we're talking about, um, you can go to a lot of different places. Nothing's as unique as, as Boone, North Carolina, uh, maybe Provo, Utah. I always give those two in terms of settings. Right. And so, um, so I think w- the first thing's the people. And then the other thing is that you, you have a unique setting. It's not for everybody. Um, but those that come love it. Right. And they come back. Um, and, you know, just had Dominic Parisi, one of our you know wrestlers, NCAA qualifier, went, works here, went away for two years, came back. You know, those stories I could go on and on about, but I would say the people in the place, that's what makes it special. You talked about going on and on about those stories, Doug, and I'm going to make you go on and on about them because me and some teammates were recently up in Boone in March for that alumni event, having some former players around. I've also seen some former players like Ryan Huff and a Doug Middleton who are in various roles in the athletic department after graduating. Why is it so important for you to have those alumni back around and back involved in the App State Athletics program? Yeah, I think it goes, just goes back to people, the people that know the history and can talk about it. And like you came back to the alumni event, you know, we had we had, you know, Oval Janes back from the 50s. Right. And, and we had obviously Coach Moore here. And then we had folks like yourself who just graduated. So, um, you know, one thing that we talk about from a recruiting standpoint, and you can look across the country. Very few programs have history and tradition. Right. You can't manufacture it. And so Appalachian has history and tradition. And now, you know, we have packed stadiums. So you got history, tradition, packed stadiums. Those, it's kind of been a maturation. You can't manufacture that. You either have history and tradition or you don't. And it's hard to manufacture. And you look at some schools across the country, you know, enroll or excuse me, attendance is not great. That's because they're, they're trying to build it. Thankfully, we've, we've built it here. Now, to your point about have Doug Middleton and, and we're super excited. We have, um, you know, an alumnus like Steve Wilkes. A couple of years ago, we asked Steve Wilkes to, you know, would you consider um, you know, funding a diversity and inclusion a graduate scholarship. And Steve, absolutely. Steve and Marcia, his wife, have a graduate um, diversity, equity, and inclusion graduate scholarship here. So that was Ryan Huff. That's how we got Ryan Huff. And then Ryan Huff comes back. He's a graduate scholar under Steve Wilkes' scholarship. And then he gets another job in college athletics. Exactly the model, exactly what you're trying to plan. Doug Middleton, he's a busy man. I'd like to have him up here more often, but I get him two days a week. He's doing great stuff for us. Um, just got honored in New York City the other night from from the work that he's doing in mental health. So, so really super proud of the work he's doing. But then he's, you know, Caden, we're you know we're traveling all over the place, you know, now on our spring tour and uh, and alums and the affinity they have for their time at Appalachian is really um, something that we're super proud of and, and really heartwarming, quite frankly. Yeah, Caden and I can definitely, uh, you know, echo the the alumni and, and the passion inside this fan base. I know we've got to experience that uh, with the podcast this year, Caden, during his playing career. Doug, let's transition to talk about the football season that uh, was concluded, the 2022 season. That season started off with quite the bang for App State. Uh, week one saw just a record-breaking crowd and probably one of the games of the year in college football versus North Carolina. Then the next week, it was App State taking down Texas A&M. Then it's college game day and Chase Bryce's Hail Mary to down Troy. What were those three weeks like for you as an athletic director? And what was your favorite memory of that stretch of games? Well, I think you know, part of this is where, you know, I remind all of us to, to, to live in the moment because it, it was it was fleeting. Right. It, those, you know, I was watching this video at Appsby's the other day with Luke Combs up on the stage. And we're talking about, you know, App State by a million, you know, just iconic things. Right. But when you're in it. You're it's things are moving so fast and you're um, 
you're trying to, you're trying to, you know, kind of live in the moment, but it goes so fast. So I, I think part of it is I'm still reliving some of that, you know, um, cause, cause I, I missed it or it was, I was running to the next thing that particular day. Um, I think, you know, you're right in terms of the month of September, um, I'd put it up there with anything that's ever happened at any program in the country, you, you know, those four weeks, uh, that just the euphoria, the excitement, the crowds, um, folks coming back you know the ticket was i think and i think the stat was that in the secondary market it was the the north carolina was most expensive ticket in america in the secondary market and we were up against ohio state and and i think notre dame and so i might be wrong we were either one or two in terms of the secondary market and ticket price in america so so it gives you a little bit of the passion that is here at app state and gets me all a little excited just even talking about it but um you know i i think one of the things I'll never never forget is you know being on the tarmac because then we couldn't get out after we beat A and M, and and we couldn't get out out of the stadium or out of the the airport because something to do I can't remember the pilots or, or no we had a flat tire I think we had a flat tire anyways that's when you get the call from ESPN <laughs> so then you're getting a call from ESPN you're touching base with Luke Combs folks you're trying to feel like if this happened could you do this and, and then I'm talking to the chancellor this may happen and. Um, that was probably, and then literally you guys saw on the tarmac with phone flashlights were announced to our team that we're hosting college game day. So um, a lot of, a lot of really cool moments. It would take me the whole podcast to talk about it, but very, very special. Well, that might have to be a separate podcast about that, that we have about that three week run, <laughs> maybe a little mini series, but Doug, as we all know, the season did not end the way that fans, players, coaches, really anyone in the app state community would have wanted the team go six and six. misses a bowl game for the first time since your tenure, what were you and Coach Clark's conversations like at the end of the season? And what's been kind of that mentality internally this offseason as the program works towards a bounce back season, kind of for the first time since you've been there? Yeah, I think, you know, so if you look at the history of the Sun Belt, and I'm, I'm so glad, by the way, that you guys are doing this. So thank you for representing the Sun Belt. I think it's the more and more exposure we can get. And we'll go um, a little bit later as we talk. I mean, the Sun Belt is, I think, one of the best conferences in America, and it's certainly heading there. Um, so when you look at, you know, what, what we've been through, um, you know, is what, what I'll call kind of some kind of typical mid-major model. You do really good. Somebody takes your coaches and now in the transfer portal, somebody takes your players. And so, so, um, you know, it's a lot to maneuver. And so I think this, we had six coordinators in six years on both, you know, the different sides of the ball, particularly offensive. Um, and then, then, you know, three head coaches in, in that time span. So then Sean gets settled in. And by the way, I would have never wanted to go through COVID with any coach but Sean Clark. He was amazing. Um, that was hard. His first time head coach, we're going through COVID. Our whole September schedule got wiped out. We had to redo that. And then we had to play in, in a place that's usually, you know, sold out. Um, obviously, we led the Sun Belt in attendance the last two years. Um, we had to play in front of not anybody. And you were there, right? It was like, it's like crazy. But um, I think this year was a, a reset. You know, Sean, where do we... Uh, where do we need to get better? Um, there's some things that we needed to do. Now you've seen um, from a staffing model, the recruiting personnel that we have now um, models what everybody in America is doing. We had to get a little bit different recruiting. That's what we've done in the offseason. We've hired some different positions there. Um, and, and then, you know, we had to really figure out the portal, right? And it's still a moving thing. And, and Sean and I have talked about it. We talked about it last night. Um, as, as you know, you know, we, we had a a student athlete that left us, you know, two days before the portal. And then all of a sudden he's on a visit the next day, you know? So, so um, I think part of that was, okay, world's not broken. Let's just pause, reset. 
And then Sean and I were like, hey, we're, we're in this together. Let's figure out how we get better. And um, I think we've had great conversations, really proud of the work he's done. Um, we've got some new coaches that have come in and bring a lot of energy. I think that was really, really important. And um, now I'm super excited for, for the year, excited for it to be here. Yeah, Doug, we're definitely going to dig into that point that you were just making about the transfer portal in a few moments. But before we jump to some off-the-field topics that are affecting college football as a whole, we have to talk about the fan attendance uh, this year. You kind of already touched on that. Uh, App State once again leads the Sun Belt in home attendance this past fall. Records were set as well throughout the season. I'm sure it took a lot of hard work from you and your staff to help make that happen. Well, you know, so eight years ago when I came here, you know, our season tickets, I think at that time were about 4,500. And, um, you know, App State wasn't used to that. 06, 07, you know, 05, 06, 07, you know, we, we had, had done pretty well from a season ticket base, added onto the stadium. Um, and then, you know, for whatever reason, eight years ago, we were 4,500. One of the things that I said is, you know, if we're going to, Ask people to come and pay. You know, we're on, you know we're we're the highest price ticket in the in the conference, um, and, and comparable in the state um, is is we got to we got to schedule games that they want to come see, and, and so that was really important to us. And so then we you know Miami comes, then Wake Forest comes, then North Carolina comes, and now this year you got East Carolina coming, you got NC State on the schedule coming back, and then you add to that um, the new Sun Belt. You know, and, and, and when you look at the odd years in the Sun Belt for this year for being as an example, you know, you got Georgia Southern, you got um, um, Marshall, you got Coastal, and you've got whoever I'm forgetting. You got like four guaranteed sellouts. So Marshall, Georgia Southern, um, Coastal, unfortunately, that's on Tuesday night. And then um, then now we got Southern Miss. So we got, we got five bowl teams coming in this year, right? And so a lot of what we were worried about, quite frankly, was the North Carolina bump, you know, what put us at 40,000, uh, over 40,000. And, you know, you know, you don't know who's slipping through the cracks on getting your season tickets. I just want that one game. Well, I'm, I'll tell you right now, we're, we sold over 10,000, almost 10, five, uh, pushing 11,000 season tickets last year. That's the most that we want to sell. And we're going to get there again this year. And so that was really, really important is to be able to not have that blip and then dive. Right. So we, we climbed steadily from 4,500 with all those games I talked about coupled with all the success we had, like we won, you know, at a high, high level and um, in bowl games, et cetera. So, so now we're over 10,000 season tickets. We averaging when I arrived here, we were getting three to 4,000 students coming per game. And now we're getting eight to 10,000 students per game. So you couple the 10,000 season tickets with your 10,000 students, and then you got a great schedule. You get your walk up, uh, you continue to break records. And um, that's the plan again this year. That's great stuff, Doug. I remember just noticing that stuff, kind of noticing the crowds get bigger, noticing the games and the stages get bigger App State, but it's great to hear about the back end of how the, the work was put in to get to that. But transitioning to what we were talking about a little bit before, it's really no secret that college football and really college athletics as a whole are going through a transformation right now. We've seen the addition of the transfer portal. We've seen name image likeness come into relevance and the latest round of conference realignment as well that's going forward with other conferences as well. What would you say the biggest challenges of all of these different changes as an athletic director during this kind of historic period of college sports? Yeah, this is a great question. I think um, the biggest challenge is kind of to manage the juggling and, and, and kind of manage the the anxiousness of everybody. Because um, because we all could look in the newspaper today and you're going to read something about some huge amount of money that somebody is getting to do something. And, and um you know, one of the things, you know, I spoke at a conference in Vegas last year, and, and one of the things was like, hey, most of what you read is not true. And, and that's that's really true. Like within, you know, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, like I got two different texts that say, oh, this person got this. 
Well, I know the person that was at the school and I know exactly what happened. So, so the rumors are crazy. So what I try to talk to our folks is like, just pause, make sure that we understand it, make sure we're positioned at App State the right way. And from an NIL standpoint, from the very beginning at Brand R, we were, the, we were the first uh, school at our level behind, you know, it was Ohio State, Alabama, what, you know, it was a, was a group license. We were the fifth school to sign up with Brand R. And we signed up and then we kind of paused and see how we, how it actually works for us. Now, we also have um, our influencer marketplace. Certainly, we have a collective and they're doing great work here. So we got NIL, we got a collective, we got everything everybody else has. And so what I tell our folks is just pause. And if you look at our rosters at App State, um, I would I would contend today that we're on the plus side of it. You, you know, it's you know it's, it's still creeping in. And we're still learning, but I think it's learn and evaluate. You know, as an example, you get uh, with the transfer portal now. It's crazy. You get one goes in, and then three come visit the next week in the same position. <laughs> it's and that's happening everywhere in America. So um, manage it, pause, not get too anxious, um, and make sure that we continue to provide everybody else that what everybody else in the country provides. Yeah, it certainly seems like a, a strong strategy with how quickly everything is changing. Um, let's talk about this past season where we saw the Sun Belt welcome four new members into the league. We saw Southern Miss Marshall, James Madison, and Old Dominion join. Why was it so important for the Sun Belt to make those additions? And what are you most excited about moving forward with those additions? Well, I, I think um, what, why was it important? I think it was it was a good time. A couple things you got to look at. because so, so you look at, um, you know, we'll take baseball as an example. Um, you got at one point in time this year, nine top, top 100 programs in the country. You know, so, so part of it, as you look at the Sunbelt and, and we had really good relationships with, um, Arkansas, Little Rock and, and UT Arlington basketball, you know, basketball or not non-football basketball. Only. So those folks moved on, which has allowed us the opportunity. Now we were at 10, obviously football playing schools. You saw the way that the kind of the leaves, uh, were, were rustling a little bit. And for us, the thing that I'm most proud about, and I got to obviously commend uh, Commissioner Gill on the work that he did, which I thought was amazing. And, um, and certainly our chancellor, Dr. Sherry Everest, was, was intimately involved. We really picked, we picked brands, not, not, um, not markets. And, and I think if you, know, if you look at history, <laughs> just at, at our level, like the, the, the thing was done before where you pick markets and not brands. It doesn't work. Um, and so for us, I think it's really important because we are going to be a top five program. I think uh, a league conference for us, it was, you know, pick brands, not markets and games that people want to see, you know, now attendance is starting to creep back up, but it was going down. The tendency was, was in, in the, the, the um, whatever the, the way that attendance was going was trend, trending down. And so we wanted to pick brands. And so you saw James Madison comes in, sell out. You saw old dominion comes in, sell out. And then the same five I talked to you about this year, you know, bringing in Southern Mitt, you know, both teams sell. So, and it's going to happen when app goes on the road. It's the same thing. Now, here's the byproduct that we're not, we haven't talked a lot about. One is when you're talking to recruits, they can watch, they can watch their sons and daughters play home and away. In, in, our, in our geography, where we're recruiting in our geography, the eastern part of the conference, if you live in, in Virginia, North, South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, you're watching your children play home and away. And a drive. You don't have to get on a plane. That's really important. It's really important from recruiting. It's really important for fan travel. It's really important for attendance. And I think it's only going to continue to elevate the league. The last thing I'll say is, is wins matter. Caden, you'll remember in 2019, we go 13 and one, right? The, the wins that we got 
those wins that we got in 2019 didn't matter as much nationally when you go into the college football playoff room as the wins today. Because your your competition's better, they're winning better. You look at the three wins we got, A&M, you know, we beat A&M with Georgia Southern beat Nebraska, Marshall goes beat Notre Dame, right? The conference is better. Your wins against in conference become better. Therefore, certainly now with a 12-team playoff, even better. So when you're recruiting, if you're in the Sun Belt um, and you and you win it, right, you go undefeated, you got as good a chance as anybody in America getting that 12-team playoff because the wins matter more. So really excited. Um, hopefully I didn't go too long, but really excited about the future of the Sun Belt in every sport, fo- football, obviously. You can never talk too much about the conference on this podcast, Doug. Don't worry about it. But you talked about <laughs> App State earlier being associated with the NIL collective, the Mountaineer collective that's aimed towards supporting student athletes on and off the field. Could you just tell us why it was so important to get that started in this new NIL era and kind of explain how that benefits the student athletes themselves? Well, you know, the, the thing, the rules are changing, right? So what we're trying to adapt in, in, a, in a world that just keeps changing and sometimes you know, when the NCA came out and, you know, NIL became a thing and then different states were doing different things. Oh, by the way, they're still doing that. And so um, different states are still doing different things. And so trying to create, you know, sometime a national platform. Well, for us here, we wanted to make sure that our student athletes had every opportunity of any other student athletes in the country because folks are going to start recruiting using NIL as a recruitment. We've never recruited, use it as an inducement, never plan to use it as an inducement. You see some things, um, that are happening today um, that happened to us where you're wondering, okay, is there some inducements, you know, and in, in whether it's in the NIL or in the collective piece um, for us, we just want to be on a level playing level playing field. And then certain student athletes are aggressive in the NIL space and certain student athletes aren't. And we're seeing the ones that want to, um, you know, really kind of get out, build their brand. Um, we're able to, you know, we can't do deals, but if people call in, we can connect them to our student athletes. That's happening a lot, lot more. I think the other thing that 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 I've noticed in the NIL space is brands are picking up on it now. You know, we're educating the brands that, hey, you know, connecting your brand with one of our student athletes, A, it's okay now, and B, it's really good for your business. You know, aligning great brands is, you know, capitalism, right? So, um I think it's been really important for us to set up the infrastructure for our student athletes to, to be successful in, in whatever they need to do. And then we can help. Yeah, I think those are those are great answers. We've seen, you know, obviously players at App State take advantage of that in the last year or two. One more question on NAL. And, you know, you've kind of spoken about it a couple of times. We hear a lot of rumors about NIL and recruiting the murmurs of teams paying X amount of dollars to get X player to come to their university. Can you give us a more accurate representation of how that's playing out between a player getting recruited, App State's football or basketball coaching staff, and are you involved in any way as well? Yeah, so so one of the things that I would mention is I think it's really interesting that folks use the term NIL, and we haven't really clearly defined it, right? When NIL came out, it is supposed to be that a student-athlete in any sport can take advantage of their name, image, and likeness by providing some type of service to a brand, right? And, and so, got it. That's NIL, and, and that's, but now what happens, I think, is people use NIL at the, in the same breath as they use, like, you know, a student athlete going from, you know, pick a school, I won't, I won't name specifics, but I could, as you guys both know. Um, a student athlete going from XYZ school to XYZ school and getting paid some money, right? I'm not sure that's NIL. 
like, you know, I, I haven't seen the contracts. I haven't heard the conversations. I haven't been in on it. I will tell you, there's no conversations at App State that says, hey, if you come here, you're going to get paid this um, from NIL. Okay. So there's two different things. Now, there might be collectives operating at different universities, and I'm sure there's all of them, including ours, that can have conversations, um, but it's not NIL. Does that make sense? That's the thing where I think even because now everybody's asking, oh, it's NIL. No, there's a collective. And what what I think is imperative, I don't know how we do this, by the way, is if you're going to um, say it's NIL, what's what's what is the NIL? Like, what? How are you? How are you using that young person's name, image, and likeness to align with a brand that equals compensation? That's better for both brands. Because I, quite frankly, it's the old, the old adage, adage that you, uh, you know, you give a person a fish, <laughs> they eat for a day. You teach them how to fish, they eat for a lifetime, right? That's the same with student athletes. If you're going to do NIL, then take advantage of their brand. Teach them how to market themselves. Teach them how to to um, negotiate a deal, right? Like I had, a, I had a conversation with one of our student athletes, and they have, you know, an NIL, and the person's telling me, the, and I'm like, well, I can't really help you. Like, I can't negotiate it for you. But like you could consider like this, this, and this, right? And how do you value your brand? I think those, um, I'm not really answering your questions. I'm a little bit off on a tangent, but I think that's important for all of us to realize that we use NIL and it's, it means different things to different people. Uh, that's a great break. You know, that's a great breakdown, Doug. I definitely, I definitely understand what you're saying. And I think our, our listeners will too. And kind of pivoting topics a little bit, switching from kind of NIL money to the, the staff money. One of the hottest topics around the league this offseason has been with coach salaries. We've seen significant number of the league's coordinators leave for position coaching jobs at Power 5 schools who kind of boast higher salaries. Is it possible for some about schools to be more competitive in that area? And what steps do you see having to be taken to get to that? Um, no, I was actually, you know, I was looking at the the ticker today, um, and they and they do a nice job. The one ticker, and I was I was reading a contract that just recently got done, um, in, in a different sport, and and I'm like, you, there's no way, there's no way. So so at the Sun Belt, we sit here at a 33 million dollar budget. No, we can't compete uh, financially for some of these salaries, not even close. Um, the things that I do, and we talk about this as a staff all the time. So. So money doesn't buy everything. So how can you continue to be creative, to create a family-type atmosphere amongst our staff, amongst our student-athletes, amongst our community, that um, where money isn't everything? Get it. Now, you got, you know, we lost an offensive coordinator one year, you know, last three years. We go, One goes from here to Mississippi State. One goes from here to Miami. One goes from here to Illinois, right, for three times the salary. You know, some of those things you're just not going to stop or compete with, to your, to your question. Um, we need to continue to provide the absolute best um, from a financial package as we can. And then at the same time, provide the best working environment, family environment, place to raise a family, um, place to be engaged in our com- community. And, and the things that are, aren't kind of financial but matter, we need to continue to invest in those two. Yeah, I think those are great perspectives, and it really sounds like, and really what I've taken from this whole interview today, Doug, is really leaning into what is unique about each program, whether that's App State, whether that's a James Madison. It's figuring out what makes us unique and leaning into it. Doug, we're going to leave you with this. Uh, Your job as an athletic director at App State requires a lot of attention, but sometimes you just need to recharge your batteries. So what are some of your hobbies of yours, and what are some things you like to do in your downtime? 
Well, that's a great question. I think, you know, again, we're living up here in one of the unique environments. You know, two years ago, I took up fly fishing. That's kind of fun, right? So it's 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 good. And, and I'd say there's really not a lot of stress when you're out there on the river. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, and then I would just tell you, investing in my family. You know, I have, I have young kids, 16, 14, and 12. Um, they're into everything. And so I get to go be a fan where, where I'm not really like – I'm invested. Don't get me wrong, but not like uh, you know when we're we're participating in any sport here. Um, it's stressful. You know, I'm out at the softball game yesterday. I'm stressed out for seven innings, <laughs> and so uh, when I go watch a 14 year old baseball game, I can chill out a little bit. But I appreciate you asking. That that's kind of the the kind of de stressor, for lack of a better term. Yeah, we love that. Well, Doug, we've been trying to make this happen for a long time. We appreciate you coming on. We appreciate the insight, and uh, certainly wish you and the App State Athletic Program uh, success in the coming year. Thank you. Appreciate what you guys are doing for the Sun Belt. Well, this league's rolling and it's up and coming and, and it's getting there. So we got a great conference. Thank you. Okay, that was a fantastic conversation. Doug was really open and shared a lot about what's going on in college athletics. And I got to say, I'm here for it. I'm here for it too. And that's nothing new for Doug. Even with my time at App State, Doug was always an open guy who was not afraid to talk to the players and get involved with them. But I feel like for my time spending over five years at App State, I was able to see some of the growth and the changes and the things that he was talking about. But it was really cool to hear his perspective on the back end of it. I've seen our crowds get bigger and bigger. And I never really thought about the strategic work that's put in to get those tickets sold, to get people in the seat. So it was really cool to hear the back end of a lot of the growth and evolution of App State that I saw throughout the years and having Doug and others responsible for that. Yeah, there's no denying that that App State athletic program over the last eight, nine, ten years has really become one of the premier group of five athletic departments. Okay, and it was also really interesting. Part of the reason we're having these conversations is to talk about the ever-evolving world that is college football, college athletics as a whole. It was really interesting to hear Doug's perspective, particularly on NIL and how App State has to continue to keep up with the times in this new space. Yeah, and it was kind of similar to our conversation we have with, had with G.J. Kinney a couple episodes ago when he was just talking about kind of being a, a new college football coach, a new athletic director. This job is now getting faced. These jobs in the sports world are getting faced with new challenges. And it seems like the ones who are able to adapt and the, the ones who are going to roll with the punches are going to be the ones whose programs are going to profit from and benefit from it the most. So it's clear that Doug is tapped into those nuances. And it was also really cool just to hear him kind of dispel some of the rumors we hear around NIL and the transfer portal and kind of hear straight from the horse's mouth how those dealings go and how that process looks like in, on his end. Yeah, definitely. Because as you said, there's a lot of rumors, there's a lot of talk, but uh, I think we got a good perspective of what is actually going on. Kate, it was also particularly interesting just to hear about the conversations after the season uh, with Sean Clark. It was a disappointing season, but it sounds like there's a lot of hope around that athletic department that that is going to be a, a brief blip in the radar. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think when you look at it's a program like App State, who's in a new position, this is, this is new territory for Doug. It's new territory for Coach Clark as well, and the fact that they were able to come together and kind of address some of the problems, find out which areas they want to fix. I think if you're an App State fan, it has to be a promising sign moving forward. It's just going to be a question of when the season starts, when it's finally on the line and the ball is finally kicked off for the first time. Will we finally see a bounce back season that that they're hoping for and that they're willing for and kind of dug in? Coach Clark are trying to lift up and uplift heading into the season coming forward. Well, we certainly hope so for the App State fans, Caden. I hope so for your sake as well. Well, that will do it for this loaded episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to App State Athletic Director Doug Gillen for helping make today's conversation possible. 
Before you go, don't forget, we'll be back with the next episode of the Frary and Smith podcast on Wednesday, May 17th. We have another great show lined up as we continue our coverage of the Sunbelt offseason as we continue to get you set for the upcoming fall season. That'll do it for us here at the Frary and Smith podcast. As always, if you like today's show, please like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and the show out. We're going to continue to be here the rest of the offseason, keeping you up to date with all the latest happenings from around the Sun Belt. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. We'll be right back.